Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, hit it shot! Oh, baby, what a play! This is Jeff Fidoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in Casey and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio and I discuss rookie minicamp, the Donovan Smith signing, and some Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes notes. Joe, before we get to the just-completed rookie camp, let's discuss the Donovan Smith signing. You know, there were a lot of people critical on this on social media because they thought the Chiefs spent big uh, money, I think it was $80 million, to sign Juwan Taylor to play left tackle. But I love the Smith move. You can play Taylor right where he's played his whole career, or maybe a year later he ends up going back to left. You know, we had a whole tackle, and this fills it. And I think reports of Smith's demise have been exaggerated. He struggled last year, but he had injuries. He's only 29. You know, it's only a one-year deal, so not much risk. And if Smith breaks down or doesn't work out, Taylor is a great uh, option. I, I'm curious your thoughts, being someone who has played offensive line uh, in the NFL. Your thoughts on this, Joe? I think I think from a from a an experience perspective, it, it makes absolutely perfect sense for Donovan Smith to be their left tackle. He's played over eight thousand snaps uh, at left tackle, and Juwan Taylor has played zero, and almost vice versa the other direction. Uh, <laughs> I think it's. I think uh, Juwan Taylor. Or I think Juwan Taylor's played 18 snaps at left tackle, uh, 4,282 NFL snaps at right tackle. Donovan Smith has 8,400, 8,473 snaps NFL snaps at LT, to be exact, and zero at right tackle. So, I mean, I think the math and the data speak for itself. <laughs> that if I'm Andy Reid. You know, uh, let's not try to, you know, fix something that's not broken broken, and, and go with it, right? And I think I think that's what we're going to see, obviously. And, you know, I, look, I think Patrick Mahomes is the type of quarterback that, for some reason, having a, like, super premier left tackle versus having a right, you know, a super premier right tackle, I, I almost wonder if, if he's the type of quarterback that, prefers to have his um his vision side you know his what would be his like as he's looking down the field right he's seeing more coming from his right you know Patrick likes to get out into the right part of the area he run he, he throws a little bit better when he rolls to his right than he does from his left not that he can't throw from his left and throw from his off foot but you know I, I think it might be just as important to have a solid right tackle as it does to have a left tackle because Patrick seems to sense things coming from the back side. And, and I don't think that's ever really bothered him. He's not, he's not John Elway or Dan Marino, like a stand-up, sit-back-there quarterback who, you know, isn't going to feel pressure and is going to get, air quote, blindsided, right? So, I mean, I, I think they're, they're for this particular offense and having somebody like Patrick, those positions are equally as important where I know everybody always wants to say, oh, the left tackle, it's the premier you know, spot on the offensive line, and it's one of your premier spots in your whole offense. But, you know, in this day and age, with the mobility of the quarterbacks, the types of offenses that they're running with the RPO and everything, it's becoming more important that everybody on the offensive line is solid. And and I think I, I make a little bit of an argument there that for Patrick, that he'd almost rather have a better right tackle 
than he would a left tackle. Um, so, you know, especially the way the Chiefs run the ball, right? They seem to be a little bit more, uh, you know, heavy, you know, going to the right, uh, at least in the past. So, you know, why, why not, right? Why not go with it? So I, I think it's a great move. I, I it, it definitely is one of those moves. They're, they're both roster moves, right? The Juwan Taylor and the Donovan Smith are roster moves that, that aren't going to keep us up at night, right? After we lost Andrew Wiley and, and we felt like, oh man, we're, we're kind of, you know, Orlando Brown Jr. is gone and what are we going to do? I think we've got two incredibly solid tackles in right now in the mix with a very veteran uh, interior core at this point, even though they're all relatively young, they're still very veteran. Uh, having, you know, having Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith be, uh, uh, you know, rookie starters. Uh, and then, of course, you've got Joe Tooney, right? So, bam, look at that offensive line we've got all of a sudden, right? So, whew, I can put my head down at night my, <laughs> on my pillow and I can sleep well knowing that the offensive line short up. we got Nick Allegretti, you know, backing up multiple, multiple positions inside. He's veteran. We know he can start. We know he can play. Which He's proven himself. To- about we had touched upon how we thought that was a guy that that might depart and be a starter someplace what a luxury to have him a guy who has started big games in a backup kind of utility role yeah and bring and bring in austin Ryder back right i mean you know um he's a guy that you know he's he's been a starter he was a starter on that first super bowl we'll call it the first super bowl team we'll go all the way back to the 60s to len dawson first super bowl but the first (laughs) super bowl era for for Andy Reid, I mean, he, he goes back, he's got Super Bowl and championship DNA. And, you know, at some point, you know, I think the Darian Kennard, I think that was still a good signing. I think that's he was still a steal um, in that draft last year. And, of course, we're still, of course, waiting for Lucas Niang, right? We're still waiting for him to develop and, and be that backup so that he needs to be. So I, I think and then, of course, you got the Wanya Morris, which I think was another fantastic pickup for a mid well not mid round i mean third round still pretty high but uh for for not a first or second round pick i think wanya morris was a was a really really nice uh really nice pickup in the third round so i i I don't know about you jeff but i'm feeling really good i'm not going wood i don't want to be overly optimistic or pollyanna about it but i am really i feel really good about this offensive line going into otas some great stuff there joe not only just the the numbers uh, the snap numbers between the two guys, but some breakdowns of uh, uh, the right tackle versus left tackle. Uh, just to follow up on that, really interesting what you said, how for the Chiefs, it might be more valuable, the right tackle, just the, the way Mahomes rolls out so much and is always on the move. And it sounds like that's a global NFL thing from the way you made it sound. So is is there still a major difference in right tackle versus left tackle? What I mean is that, you know, is it still like the blindside rushes? The best guys are lining up on that side, or or has the game just so completely changed that 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 isn't an issue anymore? Well, that's a great point, Jeff. I mean, I, I love that. I love that thought that you threw in there. But you know, again, you look at the quarterbacks today, and they're all a little bit they're all different, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you just you just don't have as many of those what I would call statuesque quarterbacks just you know kind of planting themselves back there and and when you did rush your premier rusher from the quarterback's left side you absolutely were gaining an advantage right where the quarterback didn't know where the where the rusher was coming from and all of a sudden you know I just think about those Derek Thomas sacks where all of a sudden he was just on Elway like Mm -hmm. before Elway knew what he could do 
you know, Neil Smith coming from the right side or the defense is left and the offense is right. You know, he can see him. He can see the big body. He can see where he's going. But man, Derek used to have so many of those sort of like sneak attack sacks that were mm-hmm. like all of a sudden he would turn on that speed and put a couple of moves on, on a left tackle and bam, he was on you. Same for most of the of the of the premier pass rushers back in the day that were coming off of the offense's left side. It does definitely give you an advantage because the quarterback can't react at all. And 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 they just can't even, you know, they can't even make an adjustment where when you can see it coming from the right. You just, I don't know, it's just the way that quarterbacks, you know, think about it, right? Think about if you were to go out in your backyard and throw a football around, right? You, you when you, you know, quarterbacks keep their feet, you know, um, you know, I guess for lack of better terms, they keep them, you know, parallel to the sidelines, so to speak, right? Their stance. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's not, it's pretty difficult to look left. It, it really is. If you're, if you're, if your back is, is, is sort of parallel to the line of scrim or to the, uh, to the sideline, it's really hard to see what's coming from your left side, especially as, as edge rushers come around the edge and the, the deeper they get, the less they go out of your peripheral vision. Right. So all of a sudden they're, they're rushing and they're trying to bull rush the left tackle and they're, they're kind of in your peripheral vision. All of a sudden when they speed rush around the edge, they're gone, they're out of it because you're, you're the way that you're just physically standing as a quarterback um, as a right-handed quarterback with your feet, you know, pointed towards the other team sideline or, you know, parallel as, as they're lined up parallel to, to the, to the, to the sideline. So it's, it's, it's definitely still a thing. I still think quarterbacks are going to be facing the best pass rushers off of the left. And I still think your best pass rushing offensive tackle needs to be your left tackle, just the way that historically the NFL has been. But like I said, it's starting to change a little bit, you know, as, as quarterbacks are getting a little more, more mobile, they're lining up more in, 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 in shotgun, in, passing protection in past situations get to remember in you know past situations sometimes even back in the day when you were when you had that like always having your premier pass rusher on the left taking the snap from under center made it even more difficult because as you're as you're doing your drop back steps picture a quarterback taking a snap from under center and then doing that cross-legged you know drop back that they would do right they're they're really losing the vision of their left side Mm -hmm. because they're worried about their footwork they're trying to look downfield at the receivers. And, and, and so, you know, as quarterbacks now are more shotgun focused, especially in passing situations, it, it does actually become a little bit less of an issue. So maybe we'll see over time a little bit of a change there. Great stuff there, Joe. Well, betonline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports, for this year's pro basketball playoffs, including Joe's 76ers. Bet Online is always your sports information headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs basketball, MLB, NHL, hockey, right to UFC and boxing. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, Joe, you know, the just-completed rookie camp here, it went uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, just three days. And to be honest, this is a little less exciting rookie crop. I mean, last year, yeah, the, the 10 picks, yeah, two first-round picks, you had a lot of holes the Chiefs were filling. The year before, you had 
Clyde Edwards Elaire in the first round, or a, a running back who they were, um, uh, you know, going to get the opening day start pretty much. Um, so th this one's a little less exciting, a little less sexy. So I'm curious. I wanted to go back, really kind of, uh, Joe, and talk about when you were playing. I can't remember how did it work. Did you guys when you got drafted? Did you right after you got drafted? You did you have uh, a mini like a mini camp? Did you have a rookie camp like this? How how did it go in the nineties? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, it was it was it was an interesting off season. So they had a rule that you when you were drafted um, and you were coming out of college as a, either free agent or drafted, you were only allowed to come to one mini camp. Um, and then you, the next time they could see you was June 1st. Wow. So okay. so um, we were able to come to um, the mini camp right after the draft. So the way they did it back in the 90s is the there was a mini camp right after the draft. So literally that next weekend. So I was drafted on, you know, um, I was, I, I'm trying to remember if it was Friday or Saturday back then. I think back <laughs> yeah. then we were all Saturday. I think it was like yes. a one-day thing all Saturday. Yeah, it was. I, I know it was April 21st. I just can't remember if it was Saturday or Friday. But oh no, it was Saturday. It was definitely Saturday yeah. because I was I was on college campus on Friday night, um, and then so Friday night I w I went home, and then Saturday morning I was at my brother's house and uh, and our family home, and you know uh, got drafted, and then basically they said you're going to get an express mail package in the mail with airline tickets because Jeff. No internet back then. Yep, yep. Um, so, you know, there was no boarding passes on your phone. Uh, there was no, uh, so they had to actually send in a nice package. I remember during the middle of the week, a, a really cool package came, you know, dressed from the Chiefs in, a, in either a Federal Express or a UPS overnight package. And it was pretty thick. It had like an itinerary in it. And it had, it had boarding passes and flight tickets, right, to go fly out to Kansas City for that next week. Like I flew out on Thursday of, of the next week. So within like three or four days after getting drafted, uh, I was on a flight to Kansas city for what was in essence, mini camp, um, not rookie camp. It was mini camp. So I was there with all of the veterans and, you know, That's got to meet. Uh, so it know, was crazy, crazy. And also the timing of what you went through obviously was much more difficult and, and much more involved than this is just rookies in the camp and a lot of tryout guys, but the timing was kind of the same because it's, these guys were drafted, you know, um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then the next weekend is when it starts. So kind of the same timing, but obviously your, your camp was much more involved in it's interesting, Joe, you guys had it so much harder. The practices were so much longer, so much more physical and violent. But the one thing it seems like these, guys have now is they have more frequent you know between OTAs and rookie camp and then they'll still have mini camp and training camp it's like I feel that they're at the facility more just a lot less contact that's that's kind of what is, is that accurate to say Joe yeah well what happened was the next and the next step after that for rookies was mm -hmm. now that now remember the Chiefs the veterans were in they were deep into by the draft they were deep into the off-season workouts so the off-season mm -hmm. workouts you were allowed to stay and live um, all year, mm -hmm. right? So not that you can't live and stay in Kansas City, but like you you were allowed to come to the facility every day um, back then in the 90s. So, you know, um, the off-season program generally started, depending on how far we went into the playoffs, um, started anywhere from, I would say, March 15th to April 1st. So 
Um, and I like, so once I became, let me just fast forward to the next year when I became a veteran. I mean, I was on March 15th, I started, you know, we started our formal off season workout program. Now I lived there full time. So I was working out even in January and February, if we were out mm-hmm. of the playoffs early, I was, you know, coming to the facility every day and lifting and, you know, getting any treatment that I might need. So, but back to the rookie year. So we weren't allowed to be back in Kansas city at the facility until June 1st which gave everybody who was in college a chance to graduate. Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. So um, the next time, so basically I graduated around the end of May, um, took a couple of you know days, uh, you know, s- school was then over. I didn't have any more finals or anything. So I was just working out at home. So I took a few more weeks at home. And then on like May 28th, uh, I hopped in the car with my uh, fiance, now wife, Jen, and we were engaged to be married and um, we jumped in a car and started driving out to Kansas City down I-76 and then I-70 through Pennsylvania, Ohio, Illinois, Indiana. <laughs> and, uh, you know, next thing you know, we're, we're driving up on a, you know, like May 29th or 30th, whatever that day was. And uh, we were we were uh, checking in to uh, our our. Uh, apartment that the, the chiefs had uh, put up, put us up for, for the, for the month of June and July while we were there in Kansas city. So I became a, a regular member of the, of the off season workouts, which were, you know, four days a week in, in the weight room. Um, and then we would do anywhere from two to three days of, of field work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, and then we had one more mini camp uh, sprinkled in there sometime in June. And then, uh, July 15th is when the off-season program ended, the formal off-season program of, of actually lifting with the strength coaches every day. And then, you know, we were kind of either – so nobody was taking attendance at that point. I stayed mm-hmm. on for a little while longer because I wanted to be there. I wanted to have mm-hmm. the tutelage of, of our strength wow. coaches. Yeah. And, and, then, um, and then, you know, went home for about a week week and a half before training camp started on on july 15th so you know left left kansas city probably around after the fourth of july and then came back to kansas city within a week week and a half to depart for river falls wisconsin for six weeks of you know being in in uh you know before uh for fun camp right i mean it was it was you know we used to joke you know marty time was lombardi time and uh you know, we, we were, it was some days, it was three a days. It was always two a days. Uh, mostly I remember my rookie year, we went 13 days in a row of full pads. Um, and then uh, we would have, actually have special teams practices and walkthroughs at night. And then and you had 13, to sprinkle in, sprinkle in your lifting. Pads. They definitely like, I don't know how long that would take an NFL team now. I mean, that that's probably more than the entire training camp that might extend well into the season of how many padded practices that I don't I was going to say I don't know if they have 13 padded practices for the entire well, season whole year yeah so once it starts so yeah so it was totally different mindset and different way but look it didn't make it wrong. doesn't make today wrong or today better or right. then better or then worse it just it just it was what it was that's how teams prepared and you know teams have adjusted and you know I I guess it's helped with the injuries I, I you know I don't know I mean I it definitely a lot of it you know, had to do more with, I think maybe, you know, sort of the, 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 the head trauma, um, mm-hmm. you know, if it was hitting that much all the time. So I, I'm sure that it's probably helped there. I'm not a hundred percent sure it's, it's helped with like other types of injuries. I mean, because 
our bodies were so conditioned to being hit and, and, and taking hits and hitting other people that, you know, for me, that was, you know, I, I don't know. It was almost, I almost felt better conditioned for it, you know, because we hit all the time. Like it was, no, I, I, I stopped being sore because I was always sore. <laughs> like I can, I can only imagine what some of the players must feel like, you know, after a big game on after Sunday now. One. Yeah. Like how, how sore they must be, you know, Joe, really interesting stuff there. And I, I kind of want to mention something. I said that I, I don't think it's accurate what, what I said that obviously there was so much more hitting and violence and physical nature uh, when you were playing, but it also, it wasn't, the guys aren't, it sounds like more at the facility now they're, they're labeled differently with, OTAs and things like that. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you were actually at the facility even more. Oh, it's just yeah. a rookie camp, so to speak. Rookie camp didn't really exist. You went straight into a, a different mini camp. But but yeah. So that I just want for listeners who um, that what I said before was not exactly accurate. Yeah, I would say Jeff. I would say back then in the nineties, and I because I don't know how it is today. Actually, to be honest, I mean, but back then, you know, when you March 15th, when the offseason program officially started, okay, you know, obviously players had bonuses in, in, in their contracts for if you made X percentage of those workouts. I mean, they kept very strict attendance at those. And so if you made a certain percentage of those, you, you know, you had there was some pretty significant bonuses back then because Marty was incentivizing players to be around and to be mm -hmm. to build the camaraderie and to work with our own strength coaches and and also partake in some of the classroom work that we had. You know, I remember spending anywhere from two to three days in the classroom uh, every off season uh, from March 15th all the way through till, you know, mid-June, early July. Um, and, and if you made uh, and I would say and I'm not over exaggerating because I'm, I'm, I'm getting into that mode now where it's like, oh, well, we walked to school uphill both ways with no <laughs> shoes when I was a kid. Right. So I don't want to make it sound like we were, you know, tough guys or something. But like I would say without over exaggerating. I would say 75% of the active roster players made 75% of the workouts during the offseason program. That's great. Yeah. So I would say, you know, if there was a, a if there was a hundred guys, you know, to use round numbers associated with the program back then, 75 of them were working out every day, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, maybe coming in for a little conditioning on Wednesday, pretty much from March 15th to July 1st which is pretty amazing. I mean, I, I felt like I was always there with my teammates. I never, it wasn't like there, of course there were guys that, that, you know, said, Hey, I'm going home for two weeks or, you know, guys who were very established on the team, you know, um, guys who were making enough money that could, you know, sometimes even forego making every workout that hit their bonus. Um, you know, guys like Derek Thomas and Neil Smith and, you know, John Alt and, you know, Joe Montana. I mean, there was always going to be a handful of players, but I would say 75% of the players made 75% of the workouts. That's great. Well, Joe, we also had to talk about uh, some something else going on. Uh, very cool that Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey have been everywhere. They both kicked off the draft in Kansas City. Kelsey hosted Kelsey Jam and also Saturday Night Live this offseason, and Mahomes was at the, the Met Gala. He he gave the writers up signal at the Kentucky Derby. And then after that, uh, later that night was at the F1 Grand Prix in Miami. Uh, and back to the Kentucky Derby, I just want to, you know, I know this was really frustrating for my parents and a lot of people on social media, uh, KSHB, which was covering 
the Kentucky Derby, um, or broadcasting it, cut away from Mahomes during that Durbin call, oh. that Fires Up call, because they had a weather update. So I, I just KSHB don't the Kansas <laughs> love Mahomes. They need their Mahomes. Don't don't do that again. Yeah. Listen, Anyhow, the weather's the weather, Jeff. The, the weather's the weather. The weather. Right? Look out the window; you can see what the weather is. You don't need somebody to come on your television screen while Patrick Mahomes is kicking off the Kentucky Derby to tell you that something's going on outside. But I got to say, my favorite thing was seeing. Well, I'm obviously we, we could do a whole podcast on just these two knuckleheads, right? And what they've been doing this off season. But like, I got to say, I'm a huge F1 fan. I'm a, I'm a big horse racing fan too. I grew I grew up at horse tracks. My dad was a he loved the ponies, so I was always uh, we were more harness racing than we, we were thoroughbreds. But, but uh, you know, I grew up at tracks, so I do love horse racing, and you know, so it was so cool to see Patrick there, and I love the pomp and circumstance around the Kentucky Derby and, and the, you know, and the uh, Triple Crown. But I'm a huge F1 fan, and then to watch, uh, you know, uh, Checo Perez and uh, and and Max Verstappen actually go one and two after Patrick gave them jerseys. I don't know if you saw that. That there was, was some great cool. social media posts where you know he gave them um, he gave them uh, Patrick signed Patrick Mahomes jerseys before the the the, the start of the uh, before as we like to say in the F one world lights out before the lights out and away we go uh, they um, you know both of them finished one two with Red Bull Racing so yeah really really cool to see Patrick there too I, I if there was one thing I wish I could have snuck to or two things snuck in if I were like a Chiefs if I were on the Chiefs today I would begged Travis Kelsey to let me come with him to, to, to see the taping of Saturday Night Live and or see the airing of Saturday Night Live, I should say, and then to have gone into pit row with Patrick at the F1. Those would have been two humongous bucket list items checked off my list. How cool a, a weekend from Patrick Mahomes. How cool an offseason. I actually I spoke to uh, Travis Kelsey before he um, – before actually, just before I was taking the stage uh, on the phone, I wasn't backstage or anything. On the phone before uh, Kelsey Jam, which is basically like a music fest, and so there were also like food and and other cool things uh, at the old Sandstone uh, Theater, now renamed in Bonner Springs. But I actually asked him this question, and Joe, I'm curious your take. Any concern with? I mean, they've got all this stuff going on, Mahomes and Kelsey. That they're going to be too distracted. That is this. For Chiefs fans, any concern there? No, not 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 one bit. Not one bit. It's the off. There's, it's the off season. It's the off season. These two guys could wake up in their pajamas in two months, and they'd be just the Fed. They're they're special players, but but no, not, and but I think it it you know look, there are two guys that are absolutely committed to being the best they can be. No, no neither of them are going to come in out of shape. You see the kind of stuff that Patrick Mahomes does in the off season with, you know, down in Texas, bringing in receivers. And, you know, we always, you know, when we talked to Justin Watson, when he was on the pod and, you know, telling about how his time down, you know, working out with Patrick and, you know, how he caught that sort of, uh, you know, he caught that, that feeling, that fever, right. That the, the Justin Watson, Patrick Mahomes sort of fever that they, they built that relationship down in Texas. So I'm not worried about that at all. The, the, these, these two guys are at the top of their game. They're committed to this team. They're having fun, and they deserve it. But you know, those guys aren't missing a healthy meal or or missing a workout. So or or any kind of field work that they need to do to stay at the top of their game. I I, I don't fans shouldn't worry about that. They should I think relish it. You know, relish the fact that they're out there in the community making a name for themselves, raising the stake of 
of the Chiefs, right, of organization and, and, and getting us getting them more well known. I mean, that's, you know, did you I was going to ask you when you when you interviewed him, did you ask him about what about how he felt about beating my tackle eligible, uh, you know, when he caught his fifth touchdown that did, did that did that come up at all? Or I unfortunately I didn't, you know, ah, the, the okay. interview got pushed back and pushed back and he was literally going on stage. So I had to keep it a real short. That was, I'm that was kidding, Jeff. List. I'm I, totally I kidding. Questions. But when you totally say, though, to that, that question I posed, which is it, he had a really good answer. He said, you know, no, he's like, I like to have my fun, but he's like, I love, I love playing football. Basically, you know, that's his first love. So it's not going to, and he said he loves playing football. And also he, he just, the guys, he not only loves the game itself. He loves the guys that he comes uh, to work with. So it's like, okay. he, he's not going to compromise that. So that was a, a very good, very good answer um, for sure. And I, I, I thought that would, that was interesting because he's he's really everywhere and anywhere this offseason. He's yeah. really uh, owning the offseason. If you look at some of these, you know, uh, tentative, we'll call them like the Chiefs. The Chiefs took their depth chart down. Like they don't even they don't uh -huh. even post it until. But you know, there's still a lot of prognosticators and stuff out there that keep track of all this stuff, which is great. It gives us stuff to read and look at. But there's there's not a rookie even sniffing right now at the starting lineup. I mm -hmm. mean. It's just, you know, that's not even not, you know, knock on wood, unless something crazy happens, you know, with an offseason injury. I mean, there's there's nobody that's that's going to really even be sniffing at or, or really even challenging, I think, for for a starting spot. Of course, they're going to play. I mean, you know, Rashi Rice is going to get some time and he's going to rotate in just the same way that other rookie receivers do, because you, you need to do that. Um, I think, uh, you know, and and. Anna Duque Uzama. There you go. Uh, you know, I think Felix is going to get some rotations, but he's not, you know, he's not going to beat out Omenahu, right? He's not going to beat out Karloftis. I mean, he's going to get some time. Uh, I think Chamari Connor's got a shot at, you know, getting some rotation time in there, but they're pretty loaded at, at, at D back too. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, there's just nobody, you know, that's why probably it's just, it's just not as sexy, right? To see like nobody showed up like, holy cow, like, you know, let's see if, you know, you know, it's not like we had one of the first, any of the first 10 picks in the draft that we needed to see. Right, like, are they, right. are they ready? I mean, this team is pretty loaded, pretty stocked, which is, a, in a, you know, that's a real first world problem, right. To have that where, you know, if you look at the depth chart, just visually, right. I'm looking at the, uh, at the R lads uh, depth chart right now. And, um, you know, you look at and they, what they do is they'll put the veterans in like light blue and then they mm -hmm. put the, the rookies in bolded green. All the bolded green is the back of the mm -hmm. depth chart. Like it's all like pack, packed in there and it's all light blue at the front. And which which is good. Like you hope that, you know, we have we have the rookies that that are going to come in and we have the development the developmental players are going to take those spots eventually, you know, as these guys age out. But man. This team is is loaded for bear. I mean, you know, I look at it, Jeff, and knock on wood. I mean, I, I can't see, I can't see the Chiefs and the Eagles not being the top two teams, odds wise, to be back in the Super Bowl. Look, we know anything can happen. We have a long off season to get through, and lots of podcasts to do before then. But man, the way that the Chiefs handled this draft, the way they've handled the off season, how they finished the year last year, and then you couple that with what the Eagles have done. Uh, which I think they had a, a stellar draft mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they're locking up Jalen Hurts and all that. I mean, who I can't see this not being, you know, at least according to the odds on paper today in May, right. 
I can't see this not being a, a Chiefs Eagles rematch. And we're going to get Chiefs Eagles in Arrowhead uh, during the regular season too. And next next pod we'll be uh, back to break down the schedule as it comes out and discuss those games. But if you enjoyed this show presented by Bet Online, please subscribe. We're available on your favorite directories: iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.